which is against us because the devil is real. How many know that? The devil is real. Those who say he's not real is a fool, and he is controlled, and he'll be beat down by the devil. We know that he is real. Jesus says he's real, and uh, he is our enemy. So because the devil is real, he's going to bring it against us. Everything he possibly can, he will bring it against us. So I titled this message today, Living in the Supernatural. The supernatural is a reality, but as a believer, we have to learn to live in it. And I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 or 20, which I used in the last message. Only, uh, I will only use a couple verses here. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul says his incomparable, there's nothing that can compare to this power, this great power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is now living in us. Can you say amen to that? Thank God, because you can't do this alone. You can't do it. This power now is available, Paul says, his incomparable great power for us who believe. you got to believe it. This power comes by faith. When we have faith in the power, we receive it. If you don't have any faith, you don't have any power. So this power and faith are linked together. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, Paul tells the Roman church, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Believers ought to experience this power, this power of God, and we need to learn to live in it. In other words, we have it. We need to learn to live with it and in it. Think of how great this power of God is that can raise the dead. Think about that. He can raise the dead. Hallelujah. He raised us from the dead. It's the same power that raises the physical body from the dead. It's the same one that raises the spiritual body from the dead. It's the same spirit. There's only one resurrection, and that is the spirit of the living God. It's the same power that saved us. It's the same power that delivered us from the power of sin and the old life. You know, people look at Christians that have been born again and say, you got religion. They used to tell me that. Oh, I understand you got religion. No, I don't have no religion. <laughs> I got a relationship with God. God touched me supernaturally. It's not a church, but it's the power of God. This is the same power that separates true Christianity. Listen, there's a lot of Christian flags flying out of there, but let me tell you something. Without the power, it's not Christianity. Christianity, true Christianity, is one who has lived in the power of God. Without that, it's powerless. Any form of religion is powerless. I don't care what it is. I don't care how good it sounds. Look, they got a lot of preachers preaching some fine-sounding arguments out there. But let me tell you what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. It says, Paul said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. See, it does, listen, they got a lot of, listen, in, back in the 80s, I had to go on the radio. The same radio brother Francisco was on. I was on there because of so much false teaching going on. They had the prosperity teaching that if you're a 
Christian and you have faith, you're going to be rich. That's a lie. Getting rich might destroy you. And then, then they had the positive confession that whatever, if you have faith, you can say anything and it's going to be done. That's a lie, too, because you don't know what to ask for half the time. But this is the power that we must learn to live our life with. It should get stronger as it as you go on. I feel my faith now, after 50 years, it should be stronger than it was when I first started because I've seen it work. See, the more you live in this power and see it work in your life, the stronger it should get. The last message I preached on the reality of the supernatural was the story of the prophet Elisha and his servant uh, when the king of Syria wanted to capture the prophet Elisha because Elisha was telling the king of Israel all the battle plans of the king of Syria so he could not get the king of Israel's army by surprise. There were, there were chariots that surrounded the prophet Elisha and his servants. The servant got up one morning, looked outside, and saw that they were surrounded by the whole Syrian army with, with chariots and horsemen and everything. And when the servant got up and saw that, he was afraid. And he went to the prophet and said, what are we going to do? What should we do? Well, just as the apostle Paul in the scripture that I read that he prayed for the Ephesians church for their eyes to be opened so they, they could see all the things God has for us. The prophet Elisha prayed for his servant Gehazi that his eyes would be open. And when he did that, the servant's eyes was open and he saw chariots of fire around. The chariots of fire was the answer for, for the dilemma that they were in was the answer. Elisha told his servant, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. But the, the servant couldn't see it in the natural eyes. You had to see it in the spiritual eyes, you see. See, there's two kingdoms at work today. There's the natural and then there's the spiritual. We, get, we need to know that there are two worlds operating at one time. I want to go to another Old Testament story to show God's supernatural power at work. And it's the story of the shepherd boy David and the giant Goliath, which proves the process of living in the supernatural because we have giants in our life. Let me tell you, I faced a bunch of them in the 50 years of serving God. I faced a bunch of them, and I've seen them all come down. They're going to come. Believe you. They're going to come, and you're going to look at these giants and say, how in the world am I going to get by this? See, we got to know the story of David but defeating Goliath because it reveals the path to victory over every giant that comes into our life. But Jesus reveals three things that are the basis for us living in the supernatural, which were evident, which were evident in young David's life. In John chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus says this, and this is the this is the secret right here. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Here is the secret. You want, you want to know the secret of living in the supernatural? Here it is. First of all, we have to abide in Jesus. We have to have his words abiding in us. Then by, by prayer... In other words, whatever we ask in the Holy Spirit, it's going to be done for us. 
Now that word abide means this, to dwell with someone on a continual basis. You got that? It's not a this day on, next day off, this day on, next day off. No, it's a continual thing. In other words, once you become a Christian, we have to abide in Christ. We don't leave him. We don't forsake him. But we live continuously. We can't be on and off with the Lord. You can't be on on Sunday and off on Monday. We got to be continuously abiding in Christ. Now let's go to the story of David and Goliath. In First Samuel chapter 16, the young David gets anointed by, by the prophet Samuel to be the king of Israel. Now, this came about because the real king, Saul, deserted God. So God said, I got to get somebody else. And it happened to be the young uh, shepherd boy, David. In chapter 17, we see the armies of Israel under King Saul line up for battle against the Philistine army. The Philistines had a giant named Goliath, which they sent out to challenge the, the, the army of Israel. And this is how it, how it looked in 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Look, this is nine feet here. He's higher than this. That's what he looked like. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. I put in there how, how much that is. 125 pounds was his armor that was around him. Okay, that's how big and strong he was. His armor weighed 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and the iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's 15 pounds that was on the end of his spear. Okay? His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. <clears throat> Think about this. King Saul, the commander-in-chief of the army, was terrified. What shot did the soldiers have if the, the chief the commander of the army is terrified of this one man, this giant. Goliath represents the devil and his tactics. He constantly tries to defy the people of God. Today as Christians, you see it coming down on us now, and the church. We have our government, which is run by the devil, is against the Christians. And against the church. You know, I was looking at the news. People say, I don't watch the news anymore. I got to watch it. If I'm going to be a shepherd, I got I to know what's going on in this world. But they were asking a, uh, I forgot what politician it was, but they were asking, why is the government against the Christians and the church? Why aren't they against the Muslims? and all the other religions that's in the country today. And 
I couldn't believe what the politician said. He said, because the Christians have the truth. <laughs> That's all the devil is worried about is who has the truth. These people that have the lies, he don't care because he's a liar. But that is why the devil is against us, is because we have the truth. This scenario was not new to the Israelites. The Philistines were constantly, you read the Old Testament, they fight them one time, when they come back, and they keep coming. They keep coming. It's just like the devil. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. You fight him one time and beat him, he's not going to leave you alone. He's going to keep coming back. They have been constantly harassed by the Philistines. They never gave up. It's just like the devil. But I want to cover some tactics here of the devil that can only be defeated supernaturally. We live in a world today governed by Satan, whether you know that or not. Satan is the god of this world. Jesus said he was. In fact, Satan wanted to give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow down worship him. So we know who's controlling every government of the world. Every country, their heads are manipulated by Satan. So we live in a world governed by the devil that is full of negativity. Negative thoughts everywhere. You look at this world and people in the world say, if there's really a God, why is there so much of a mess in the world? It's because the devil's running it. That's why it's a mess. But everything is so negative. And people say, well, I don't watch the news. It's so negative. I can discern what is good and what is evil. We need to be able to do that. I don't mind watching the news. It's not going to affect me. I don't care how negative it is. I have the truth inside of me, and the truth should be in every Christian. So news is not going to discourage me. Okay? So Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask whatever you need, and it's going to be done for you. See, if we don't abide in Jesus and his words abiding in us, then guess what's going to show up? Negativity. See, negativity will show up if we're not abiding in Jesus and his words abiding in us, you're going to fall into that pit of negativity that's in the world. When we're under attack by the devil or we're in a trial, if we don't have the words of Jesus abiding in us and we're abiding in him, we're not going to be able to win. So to beat the giant and the devil, we can't listen to what he says. See, 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, when you read this, you got to realize Peter said the devil is like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He's not one. He's not a lion. He's roaring like one, but he's not. He's not a lion, okay? So Goliath was like a roaring lion trying to intimidate the army of God. That's why we can't listen to him. This is what he said. 1 Samuel 17, 8 says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. Now here, when we look at this story here, we see the enemy is the one who's controlling the narrative here. See? He is the only one talking. He's the only one talking. Israel's not saying anything. They're just listening and trembling. 
Goliath is the giant. He's telling the Israelites, am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Well, what was wrong with that statement? What was wrong with Goliath's statement to the Israelites when he said, are you not servants of Saul? They're not servants of Saul or any other man. They were the army of the Most High God. See, they forgot that. The devil is saying, aren't you the servants of Saul, the, your king? Aren't you his servants? No, we're not his servants or anybody else's servant. We serve God. See, God is the one we serve. See, they were the army of the Most High God, but they didn't consider who they were. It's time for the church to consider who we are. We're not just a social group. We're the people of God. You might be here today. You've been fighting a battle, but you're listening to voices of discouragement. Okay? Now, now let me ask you, who's moderating your battle? Who's talking here? You understand? When you get into a trial and tribulation, somebody's talking. Who's moderating this problem? You can't sit back and listen to the enemy. You can't sit back and say, oh, he's telling you what you are. No, we need to know who we are. You understand? Who's the one controlling the narrative? Every time you get in trouble, who's talking? Let me tell you, back, I, I told you many, many times how God healed me of cancer. Let me tell you what happened. I was diagnosed with cancer. They took a biopsy of my throat. I was at my business Friday, closing up. The phone rings, it's the doctor. He said, we got the report back. You have cancer. Okay. Check into the hospital, East Jefferson, tomorrow. Okay. I hang up the phone. It was a phone. We didn't have cell phones then. I hung up the phone. And when I hung the phone up, I heard a voice. And it says, you have cancer. And it's not just in your throat. It's all over your body. It's just like your daddy eight years ago that died of cancer. They opened him up and closed him back up. He had cancer all over. He died. That's the voice, the first voice I heard. But then I heard another voice telling me that I'm born again. I have eternal life. I will not die. That's the voice I heard. Then God visited me and healed me in the hospital. But what I'm telling you is the devil will try to create the narrative for you, trying to tell you what you're not and what's going to happen and how things are going to end up. we got to focus on who we are in Christ. Every day. I get up. I got to know. I'm a child of God. You see? And Jesus is my Lord. And I can't focus on my humanity. See, that's what the devil tried to do with the, the army of Israel. He said, aren't you servants of Saul? Aren't you serving a man? No, we're not serving a man. We're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who we serve. We don't serve man. See, if the enemy can keep us considering our humanity, then every time we have a trial or trouble, we want to see what we can do. No, it's not what we can do. Because if I keep evaluating my own strength, I will discourage myself. Because I can't do it. How, how am I going to get out of here? I don't have the strength to do it. By thinking we are not enough to win. That's why the Lord, Jesus told Paul when he was complaining, he said, listen, in your weakness, 
My, my power is made perfect. In other words, when you're weak, don't worry about your weakness. Worry about God's power. See, the devil doesn't want you thinking on and confessing God's word. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me, in my words abide in you, then you can confess what I say. Like no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Let's think on that. The next thing Goliath told them was this. Choose a man for yourself and let him come down and fight me. So what's wrong with that statement? Well, the devil wants us to rely on a special man. We, the devil wants us believing in another man to fight our battles. I said, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I want to tell you this. Every believer is empowered to enforce the victory. Every one of us. So when I was a new pastor, this was... How long have we been pastoring, baby? 42 years? When I was afraid, believe me, God thrust me out. I didn't have all the knowledge I have now and all the experience I have now. So as a new pastor, you know, I thought I was the special man. I'm not the special man. I had people call me and say, Pastor, can you go visit this friend of mine in the hospital and pray for him? Sure, I'll go. What's the room number? What's the hospital? I go and walk in. The people don't even know I'm coming. I walk in. They look at me. Who are you? Oh, so-and-so asked me to come. He said, I didn't call nobody. And I began to think, I'm not the special man. You got a friend in the hospital? Guess who needs to go there? Not me. You. Why? Because you are anointed too. Don't say, call up the pastor, get him over there. Listen, I'll go with you and pray for anybody. Don't send me to somebody that you are connected to to pray for them when you can do it. So I'm not the special man. We don't need a special man. All we need is faith in God. That's all we need. See, Jesus said this in Mark 16, 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. You believe? Okay, this is what happens. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all, and they will place their hands on sick people, and they'll get well. That means you can go. You don't have to call the special man. You go. You lay hands on the sick if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, don't go. Go find somebody that does believe. With this word, with just that in Mark 16, with that word right there, every one of us ought to move forward in certainty and confidence that this is real, the supernatural is real, that it's not me, but it's God if I, if I obey him. See, we need to invoke God's promises to do the miraculous. Invoke it. Go. Say, say, God, I'm going to pray for my friend because you said I can, and I'm going to expect that the miracle is going to happen because you said it would. Let me get back to David, the shepherd boy. He was anointed king. That anointing was real, just as our anointing 
is real. And First John, the Apostle John wrote in First John chapter 2, verse 27. He says, as for you, talking to the church, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, it's not counterfeit, just that it has taught you, remain in him. That anointing that we get from believing is real. It's real. This young shepherd boy was anointed. Then he shows up at the battle scene as a delivery boy for his father. His father said, take this food, go to the battlefield, and give it to your brothers, because they were older, they were in the army. He was a young man. He wasn't probably old enough to go. He said, go and bring this food to your brothers. Now, while he's there, this giant comes out again and began taunting the army of God. And all the men of Israel ran back from him. Now, this took David by surprise because he couldn't figure out how the army of the living God would run from this. He couldn't figure that out. They told David, this giant has come to defy the army of God. Now, let's pick this up in verse 25. It says, now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what, what, what is he going to give? What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what's going to be done for the man who kills him. Now, no doubt that this reward sounded very interesting to David, a young man who spent his whole life out there with a herd of sheep. Sounded pretty good. He's going he's to give wealth. Then he's going to give me his daughter. Sounds good. Then he's going to free my family from taxes. Pretty good. But the words that David spoke gets back to the king. The words David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? Who is this guy? Who in the world does he think he is? That word got back to the, to the king. The king calls the boy in. Let's pick it up in verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. <clears throat> Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, see, what David didn't know was that, I mean, what Saul didn't know was that David was anointed. See, he didn't know this happened. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. You imagine doing that to a lion? 
Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. See, David was living in the supernatural. See, he already knew, well, the anoint, I'm anointed now, but now I can kill lions, I can kill bears. Why? Because the Lord, because he said, the Lord rescued me from this. So he was living in the supernatural. First, he was anointed by the prophet. Look what happened. We'll go back in chapter 16, verse 13. It says, so Samuel, that's the prophet, took the horn of all and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. See, his brothers must have forgot that. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. See, this is what Jesus told the church after he was resurrected. Go into Jerusalem and wait. For the promise of the Father, because power's coming. <laughs> You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. See, this is what we have. This is what the church is. We are filled with supernatural power. When the anointing came, the power came also. David had the anointing, but not only had the anointing, he knew it worked. He knew it worked when he went after the lion, when he went after the bear. That, that's, that's power to do that. See, the more we live in the anointing, the more confidence we have in our life. In other words, when you fight something with that anointing and win, every time you win, I can't tell you how many battles me and Jesus won. Me and Jesus won, not me. Because he has done the supernatural. He has done things that I couldn't even figure out. I didn't even know what the answer was, but I went in faith and it happened. See, the most powerful Christians around are those who have fought the lion and the bear and won. See, every time you win, every time you face a trial, or every time the devil comes against you and you stand in faith and believe and you win that battle, you become more confident. That's why when I was a young pastor, I wanted the old ministers with the gray hair. Now, I got gray hair. The young guys want me sit down with them. How did it happen? How do, how, do, how do you get through this? How do you make it in ministry? Well, the gray hair lets you know I've been there and done that. And God's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. The battle you won yesterday is the battle you're going to win tomorrow. The same God is the same power. He doesn't change. See, when the giants come, these believers can say, as David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. If he, if he healed you before, he's going to heal you now. If he provided for your finances in the past, he's going to provide for your finances in the future. He is the same. See, we develop our faith by practicing living in the supernatural, walking in faith, walking in the presence of God. That's why Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can go on. You can fight every battle. Whatever you ask for, it's going to happen. David considered this giant to be just like the lion that he killed. Just like the bear. He wasn't a bear, he wasn't a, but he's just like it. In other words, if God allowed me to kill a lion, God allowed me to kill the bear, he's going to allow me to kill this giant. Faith. 
That's it. Let's look at the last part of the story. When the fight begins. I like to fight. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. There's a lot that went on before this. The king tried to put his, his armor on, on, on David. He said, I can't work with this. I, I'm not used to this. Let me just go out there. Okay? He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? He went out there with his shepherd's staff. You come out me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Have you ever been cursed because you're a Christian? Oh, man, I can't tell you. I had a, I had a woman call me up when we was in Chalmette when the church was up to 600 people. We were winning people left and right, 15, 20 a week. The whole parish knew something was going on there. I got a phone call one day from a woman. I don't know how my secretary let this woman get to me, but I told her after, I said, you better start screening these calls before they, before they get to me. She started cursing me that all I cared about was getting people saved. That's what she said. I knew it was the devil. But she was using the choice words, the F-bombs and all, all of that, too. I said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm about. That's exactly what we're going to be doing. But, but David was cursed by this Philistine, by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said, now, see, that was the enemy's narrative. Now we're going to get David's narrative. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord's going to hand you over to me, and I'm going to strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. We saw at the beginning of this that the giant is the one controlling the narrative, okay? You can't let the enemy control the narrative. You can't just sit back and listen to him join. You got to cut it off. See, nobody said anything against this guy. As David approached the giant, the Goliath began to curse David by his God and trying to, to, to bring the narrative forward. However, nothing fazed this young boy. No matter what the giant said, it didn't phase him from trusting the Lord. David spoke with absolute confidence in God, and he began to control the narrative. In other words, I hear what you're saying, giant, but let me tell you how it is. Let me tell you how, how it really is. David says, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. See, David came in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are safe. <clears throat> Let me tell you, this name of Jesus is so powerful. We got to start evoking the name of Jesus. You go into the hospital room, you're going to pray for a friend. The name of Jesus must be there. I don't know a healing 
verse. I don't know a healing phrase. All I know is this. Jesus heals. And when I pray for people, I say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Because it's the name. David revealed two reasons why he's taking on his giant. And this, these are the reasons why we take on our giants. Number one, he said that the whole world would know there's a God in Israel. Let me tell you something. This whole community here needs to know there's a God. And the church is the one that's got to show them there is a God. There is a God. And the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear because the battle is the Lord's. You as a believer, when you're facing things in your life, you say, why is all this happening to me? I want you to remember something. The battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. And if it belongs to the Lord, he doesn't lose. He never loses. He has never lost a battle, never will. So once we realize that the battle I'm going through belongs to the Lord, then I got to look for victory. I, I got to look for it because it's not mine. Our battles against the power of the enemy is the Lord's battle. The world needs to see the demonstration of God's power in the life of the church. I'm looking for it. I'm praying for it. I, I'm believing God that, listen, our three churches are not just going to be some gathering of professing Christians, but I want us to gather in the power and the anointing of God supernaturally for us to be living in the supernatural, in winning our battles, this is what's going to have to happen. You got to stop listening to the devil. Stop listening. His perspective and narrative in our battle, I don't want to hear what he's got to say. Stop being distracted by the devil's appeal for us to lean to our natural reason. Let's quit trying to say, well, I can do this, I can do that. No, I got to believe God can do more than what I can do. I got to believe God. Then you got to start believing that the battle belongs to the Lord. Start abiding in Christ, continuously abiding in Christ. Start abiding in Christ, letting his words abide in us. Listen. If you're not consuming this, you're in trouble. Because when a giant comes, you're not going to know what to say. You get full of this, you'll be able to tell him where it is. You're going to tell him how it's going to go. Because God's word abides in you. Then we got to practice the presence of God. You say, how do you do that, Pastor? In every circumstance. Every breath you take, you got to realize the presence of God is in you. The Holy Spirit is living in us. I got to believe that no matter what I'm facing every day when I get up, that the presence of God is in me. Two things that stand out in David's life. David was a lover of God's word. In Psalm 119, 105, this is what he says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Then David was a lover of God's presence. In Psalm 51, 11, David says, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. <laughs> Two things David wanted. He wanted the, his, his word. He says, I've hid your word in my heart that I don't sin against you. In other words, i got to have the Word and His presence in me. And that brings us back to the teaching in John where Jesus said, If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. This is living in the supernatural. His presence with me, His Word in me, that's living in the supernatural. 
You might be here today. You might be facing a giant. Let me tell you what the biggest giant is you will ever face, and that's the power of sin. See, which is a yoke of slavery. Once that giant comes down, then everything else, there's nothing you will face in your life that is greater than that yoke of slavery, which is sin. Once that yoke is broken, everything else is easy. Everything else is nothing for the Lord to do. When that giant comes down, the rest is easy. Watch you stand with me. Now, I want to read you one verse of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. This is prophetic. And it shall come to pass in that day. That day is this day. This day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing will break every yoke. David was anointed, and that anointing broke the yoke of the Philistines off of the Israelites. That anointing is the same anointing. John said, that anointing is real. It's not counterfeit. It's real. And that anointing is here right now. If you're here now, you're facing a giant. You're facing something in your life right now. I want you to know this. That anointing that is in you is enough to break the yoke. But you got to believe it. You got to believe it. You're here today. You say, Pastor, I'm facing something. I need to change the narrative. You might be listening to the wrong narrative. You might be listening to the narrative of the enemy. You need to stop. Say, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe what God says about who I am. If you're here today, first of all, if you're here today and you've never been freed from sin,